Hello and welcome to a special episode of Fools Rush In, uh, where we look at things from the other side. We have spent many weeks now as a panel discussing transfer rumours, players coming, players going. But what really happens uh, to the players involved? I'm delighted to say that myself, Craig and Rich are joined tonight by former town defender Jamie Sandals. Right, how are you, Jamie? I'm very well, thanks. How are you all? Yeah, very, very well. Thank you. And thank you again for, for agreeing to do this. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to hearing from the other side. You know, fans are very quick to, to pass judgment on a lot of things. So it'd be good to hear what actually does happen um, during this, you know, this bit between the end of one season and the start of another. Um, Craig, Rich, uh, good evening to you both as well. Evening. Yeah, to you. Glad you could um, join in. Um, so let's get the uh, let's get the important stuff out of the way. We were just chatting a little bit off off record there, but have you been have you been finding the heat at the minute, Jamie? It's uh, it's certainly been intense the last couple of days, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been tough, but it's you know what? It's uh, it's better like this than when it's absolutely Baltic. So yeah. um, we're very quick to complain in this country about things. So I think we should uh, enjoy the heat, enjoy the day as much as we can. No, that's absolutely it. Um, Okay, so I'm interested, and and you know the rest of the guys on the panel are interested to know um, how that there's a consensus of how things work. You know, football fans kind of understand players' contracts run out; they either sign a new one, they get released, or they've already got something lined up. But during, you know, once one season closes and you've got that, I don't know what six week period, eight week period until the the new season starts, if that. It can be a difficult time for players, can't it? If if they haven't got that sort of security of their contract, they, you know, they've got another year or two at one club or they've already signed something at another club. It's, um, yeah, it's a really strange time. Um, and I think that it's only uh, a lot tougher and a lot harder. Um, I don't know why. I think maybe COVID hasn't helped in terms of the finances. Um I think that's a lot of the time clubs are using that now when they don't need to, um, to, to be able to save some money. Um, but also, yeah, it's tough when you're, when you're in between clubs and you're, you're training, you're trying to keep fit or you're on holiday and the phone doesn't ring. You're thinking, oh no, what, you know, what am I going to do? Um, on the other hand, the phone might be ringing and you've got loads of clubs calling and you have to make a decision when you're on the beach on holiday trying to switch off. Um, and I think these are the these are the sides of football where um, where the fans don't see. And I think a lot of the time the fans, because they don't see it, and you know how can they? I think that they they uh, can judge quite quickly on cer on certain situations. And um, certainly in my situation, I've had it, and we'll, we'll go into detail about it. Um, but it's been you know it's it's not been easy, and I feel that. Um, People can can uh, get their opinion quite quickly when really they don't they don't um, you know they don't know the the whole detail behind it. And yeah, Jamie, it's it's interesting you saying about how you know COVID's probably affected like the lower league clubs and everything. Obviously, you was an older shot and you had a good season there. You was captain, wasn't you? Um, I, I believe it, but you had a bit of an issue with them. They offered you a contract and then at the last minute it was re rescinded. Do you think that was like a COVID thing or were um, they just being out that, of order? No, so that was, uh, that at Aldershot, I I'd, uh, I turned the contract down. 
Right. So that, that that what happened there was the yeah they I think what happened was I went there. I'd imagine probably top earner, um, and the end of the season came, and I think that they like a lot of clubs would have used the pandemic as an excuse to offer less money um, to everyone. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big believer and, and it's, it's happened a few times. So I, I think the last time I was actually like released from a club was Leighton Orient, I think. Wow. So all, all of the other times it's been, I, I, I know my worth. Or, yeah. You know, and, and I think that everyone will have their opinion on it. A set of fans might say that I'm useless, probably like the Orient fans say, no, he's not worth that. But then I've got other sets of fans that would go, no, he's definitely worth it and fair play to him. For... So um, that, that, that's been a situation for me. And the Aldershot thing was, I, I know my worth. And I think that what they've offered me doesn't meet that. So I will have to say no. Um, well, the, the, case in, the case in point with that is we um, when I put out that you were joining us we got a tweet by, by someone named Jason who said uh who messaged in and said tell Jamie that he'll find a club soon he is too good a centre-back to be left on the shelf um so that there's exactly what you were saying you know you, you were picking out one group of fans who might have one opinion um and there are there will always be fans with other opinions I know for example um when, when you left Swindon I, I for one was like oh, do you know what I'm actually I'm actually disappointed with that because obviously we knew that the situation that you'd had during during the season and stuff with injuries. But I was kind of like, if he can get fit again, he will be, um, you know, he he will be a great mm-hmm. defender for us again. And I was I was disappointed myself when when the news came out that you weren't staying. Yeah, I think it was, um, you know, again with the Swindon situation. I've touched on it. I've not really gone into too much detail with it, but it was very much. I'm sure you could imagine. I won't name any names, but I'm sure thinking back to the time when Is I was it initials there, L and P. It might be. <laughs> you, you can imagine. We need, we need not say any more. Yeah. You, you we know your I, worth as well. Yeah. Um, you can imagine what I was up against there, and it was Luke. Luke, who is brilliant, and um, you know one of the one of the best people you'll ever meet in football. Um, he was fighting for it, um, but the the way it ended was just. Um, it, it was it was just I, I think it was just really disrespectful I got a, I'd left the season and they said oh no it, it got to the point where they said if we stay up then you'll get a contract if we go down I had an option in my contract so I had a year option they said if you stay up you'll get it then all of a sudden it was like no if we go down then you'll get you'll get a, your option back and forward this this was since I did my knee you know we, we knew straight away that my, my season was over so Luke was fighting to get me one my option sorted straight away like you know a few days after so that it took that gave me that peace of mind that I'd be all right um for the following season it was back and forward all season then it went quiet then it, you know then Tim Sherwood came in it's just <laughs> why um <laughs> I think we were asking why I think we, yeah we were all the same we thought this was the most bizarre move we'd ever well, seen well, in according, to, was... according to Lee Power Jamie he was the greatest signing in Swindon Town's history which <laughs> is quite a statement considering we've had Lou Macari Ozzy Aldiles Glenn Hoddle and Paolo Di yeah. managing yeah. so it, uh, that's yeah. a very, yeah. very old statement so you know that that whole season towards the end and I think people don't see it. And I don't think Luke's maybe had Luke and Ross, to be fair, have had their 
time to speak about it, but I think that they were done done by, you know, horribly um, because all of it was put onto them. Um, you know, and when you when you see the games, uh, when you're at the games, sorry, you might remember it. And Luke and Ross were getting dogs abuse, and it was like from the inside we saw everything that was happening, and we were like, no, no, it's not them. They're 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 brilliant. They're brilliant. They'll they'll go on to, you know, do amazing things. Um, so. Anyway, long story short, the, the season finished. I still hadn't been told anything. Um, I was trying to get fit. I'd, I'd probably just had my third operation, trying to get fit. And then I got a phone call from one of the guys. Just to be honest, you probably none of you will probably even know who he is. Just a, just a nobody from the club uh, rang me on a number I didn't have saved and just said, um, just to let you know that your, your, your uh, option won't be taken up in your contract. That was it. That that that's how it ended for me. And and it was it was disappointing because I always say to anyone that when they ask about my career, I say that Swindon has been was the club that is closest to my heart. I've absolutely loved it there. Um, I loved living there. The fans were brilliant with me. Um, you know, and, and I absolutely loved it. And I think that before I got injured, that was probably where I was playing some of my best football. Yeah. Uh, I was really confident that I was going to kick on, and so it was. It was a shame that, that they they allowed it to end like that. I feel like I deserve maybe a little bit more respect from the people that were doing the decisions to mm. maybe sit me down and have a chat and tell me why they weren't going to be offering me one. Um, was there was there any point, um, obviously during your rehab and obviously uh, training to come back? Was there any point uh, that you thought that that option might not have been taken up or? Um, like I said, it was so, it was so day to day. Yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll get it sorted next minute. It was, oh, I don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Probably not. And then it was like, no, definitely not. And then it was back on again. It was just so up and down that, um, and again, the, the fans don't see this side of side of things, but that's hard to deal with when, when you're trying to get fit and you're having operations and, but, and then the club are saying, yes, no, yes, no. It's, it's hard to deal with. And I think that, um, you know, and that's not uncommon. Because mm. you know, in, in your mind, you're basically, your goal is to obviously get back playing football again, right? That's it. And and along with that comes, oh, if I'm not fit and I'm not playing, how do I pay for my... my yeah, my no club want, no club will want you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's tough. It's very tough. Um you know, I had conversations with Luke and at the time and he was, he was, you know, he couldn't have spoke any more highly of me. Um, he said that um, obviously Nathan Thompson was to leave at the end of that season. And he said that um, I was going to be the one that comes in to replace Nathan and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I know, I know if Luke was still there at the time and he, and the club wasn't in the situation it was, then I would have been very confident that I'd have been there the following season and, and hopefully for, more years to come, but it just wasn't to be, unfortunately. You mentioned um, about, you know, knowing your worth and how that is a major factor in in all of your um, career-based decisions. Um, I think a lot is made, and it's because lower leagues in particular aren't focused on that. You know, they're not as flashy and not as fancy for the media. But it, it's getting better. But it's it's still not great. So, you know, when you've got, for example, Sky Sports doing their transfer roundup and, and you're seeing these elite international players jetting around the world, signing contracts, 
buying fancy mansion or renting fancy mansions, whatever they're doing. And people think that's, you know, kind of what it looks like. Mm. But, you know, it, it's it's not, is it? That's not realistic. You know, you, you've, you said about knowing your worth, but you've got logistical things to consider, like your family and stuff. It's, it's not as if you can just up sticks and move every time that you move clubs. So you kind of need to think about what's your location. Can you stay where you are or do you need to move? You know, if there's children involved, you need to consider schooling yeah. and all that as well, isn't it? Well, that's it. There's so much that comes with it, especially when you get older. When you're younger, you have a little bit more freedom with it. Um, you might be single. You might have no kids. You might have, you know, you, you bought your place. You're rent, so you can, you can move when you want, um, which I think... <sighs> In my opinion, and I know a lot of players, we've spoken about it quite recently in the last year or two, football's changing. Yeah. Football's changing massively. And you'll start to notice that without being disrespectful to some of the players that are getting moves, it's like, hold on, where's this guy come from? Because he's 20, he can take a lot less money than me at 28. I can't, I can't take that money because I've got bills and mortgages and whatever I've got to pay for. Um and he can afford to do that. And I think that's the way football's going with, with the young ones as well. They've got the added bonus that if they do well, they can sell them and make a load of money. Um, and yeah, you, you, with, with the um, location, like it, it's hard. Like, I, I mean, I, I haven't gone into too much detail about what happened um, when I left Aldershot, when I turned the contract down at Aldershot. But this was another situation that fans don't see. And you end up getting a bit of stick for it but really they don't see the full story and I, you know I will at some point probably when I finish playing or when I'm when I'm ready to finish playing I'll come out and I'll, I'll talk about all of these things that have happened so that people can get an idea of actually you know what the, the football industry is is not a nice place <laughs> it's, it's really not a nice I can, place I when can you, only imagine how cutthroat it really is do you know what it's I wouldn't even say it's cutthroat. I would say that there's a lot of um, a lot of cowards, a lot of arrogant people that are in a position of a, a bit of power, and that gets abused. Yeah, that gets abused. And there's no HR in football, so you can't. Who are you going to complain to? Um, and like I said, it's not just me. It's it's players, and I think that you see it. You see it if you ever watch Under the Cosh. The, I love under the cosh. Because the players have finished playing now and they just they just say it how it is and they say actually, you know, all this stuff did happen. And um, you know, and they're not one-off situations. It's I would say majority of players have been in a situation like um where they've gone that that just shouldn't happen. Like I've just been disrespected completely there. Um like the the situation when I left Aldershot, I turned the contract down at Aldershot. Um, and I'd agreed a deal at a club. Um, shall I say? Yeah, why not? So yeah, why I'd, not? I'd, I'd, I'd agreed a deal at, um, at Halifax. So, crazy. I live in Surrey, um, and I was moving to Halifax. So, it, it took a while to get sorted. I was really unsure at the start because I, I've got my, my, my girlfriend down here. She works. She's got a job. I've got my house down here. Um, and... It, it took a lot of thinking and planning. I've got a coaching company down here where I needed to sort that out before I make any commitments. Um, so I went up to meet them, all agreed. They, you know, that it wasn't agreed on the day, but they basically said, what's it going to take for you to come and sign for us? 
um, you're exactly what we need. So I went back, had a think, agreed the money. Um, I put my house up for sale. I wasn't going to buy up there. I was, I was looking to buy um, around the corner from here. So I put my house up for sale, had an offering on a new property. Um, I got someone on a salary for my coaching company. So that was all covered. Um, my, my girlfriend was actually a day or two away from leaving her job. Um, so like, these are the things where it, the knock on effects of if this falls through, like I've made some big decisions here. Um, anyway, so I got a phone call one morning saying, yeah, ready for you to come up and sign. Um, we've sorted your accommodation up, come up tonight, sign, go back and start again on, I think this must've been like a Thursday and you, you'll be ready to go on Monday. Um, I'm halfway up the M1, literally halfway up the M1. The manager calls me, um, says the chairman's pulled the deal. I'm, I'm two hours up the M1. So I'm thinking that doesn't happen. Like I, I know things fall through and I, and not, not when they've rang me that morning saying it's ready for you to come and sign. So basically what happened was uh, I won't mention names because. Uh, That's completely understandable. Just I mean, in, case, in the industry. Aren't you? You can't I, I, I will. I will at some point. Don't worry because the guys, the guys are horrible. When you retire, Jamie, in about five to seven years' time, we'll, we'll have back. you back on, mate, and you can you can you can reveal <laughs> I'll all, mate. I'll go to town, um, <laughs> and uh, I, I did some digging because it doesn't happen. That that doesn't happen last minute. So I rang the people that I thought would have been something to do with it, and it, it turns out that a member of staff, it it might have been another member of staff as well, but one for certain that um, the Halifax had contacted them. I must've been on the day I was going up just to get a, um, a must've been like an injury reference or something like that. I don't know. And he basically said, don't sign him, not worth the money because I turned a contract down and probably because he might, we didn't get on. Yeah. So, all because so of this bit of, basically payback, payback for for something that is for basically making a professional pay- decision. It doesn't need payback for it. it's like a you know and and if you take that into the real world, you can't do that. You can't give. You can't say to someone mm-hmm. you can't take him on board. You can only say facts. And when he lied to them, he said you won't get games. I played. I was captain of the club. I played. I don't know how many games that season, but more than enough to be class is fit um and yeah just completely destroyed destroyed that move so now i've got an offering on a house that i can't can't buy because i'm going through i've had to call my missus quickly don't don't leave your job um you know i've got now now got someone on a salary at my coaching company where that was the money that i was going to be relying on if i didn't so now i'm thinking right i've got to get extra work with the coaching to cover my salary yeah because in, in, a, in a normal job, in a normal, say, for example, admin job, uh, say you even got fired from it, but you had your references on your CV and stuff like that, and they contacted your references, oh, why did you leave your last job? They can't say a bad thing about you. No, they're not allowed to, yeah. No, exactly. So uh, why should that be any different to football? And like you, uh, like we said, obviously, if for some reason or other, they obviously were a bit, you know, bitter about you not wanting to sign that contract with Aldershot mm-hmm. and you wanting to go to another club. And I just, it's, that's absolutely just... And, and that's just 
it just fuels the fire for for people outside of the game when when you hear stories like that that you know um people within the game not all people but certain people within the game feel like they're untouchable and the rules don't apply to them because it, it's just unbelievable when you actually hear it firsthand like that how these things yeah. actually come about it is it's crazy it really is crazy but like i said I, i'm saying my story now and people might might take it that i'm being bitter or whatever it's it's i promise you it's not me i, I bumped into a player um who goes to the same gym as me the other day and he's he had it this summer and he couldn't believe it he said it just it, it because it has it has an effect on you he said you know it, it affects you mentally you know i'm not saying that you get you know really yeah. really depressed but it, it has an effect on your life day to day because of course it you're does tra- I imagine it, it take it, you know that that would take its toll. Because I mean, you're saying it was a big decision. That's that's a life changing decision. Mm. Most most people think that because you're because you're in the fifth tier, it's not as big a deal. But it, but it's even more so because obviously the margins yeah. are tighter for you guys financially, and with all the other stuff you were saying about you know your girlfriend nearly quitting yeah. her job and everything. It's um, yeah, I think that's you know going back to what you're saying, people don't realise that from outside. Yeah, what's, you know how that can how that can affect you. So, yeah, that's just unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it, and so I, yeah, and then I came back. I mean, last season was I could go on for hours about the stuff that happened last season. It's just <laughs> you, you just wouldn't believe it. Um, but the, the next one, I'll go into this next bit because it's again, it just it it can show what can happen in football. So I'd had a few offers that I just wasn't like I said. I I, I value myself at a certain um you know pay grades sort of thing and mm-hmm. I, I struggle to go below if I if I don't think it, it it's where I should be um so I had a few offers turned quite a few down and I, I did a post um I did a post that summer I think it might have been late just after I can't remember when it was but I did a post because I had so many people saying why have you not got a club why have you not got a club um and I'm not just going to take a club where financially it it will be tough for me to pay the mortgage. It doesn't make sense. You know, I, I've got a business where absolute worst case, I can do that and I can, you know, get paid through that. Yeah. Uh, you know, as much as I, I want to play football, of course I do. Everyone does. Uh, well, not everyone does, but I've given, I've given my life to football. So, I, of course, I want to play for as long as I can. Um it's not that at all. It's it's you get to a certain age and you have responsibilities that you have to pay for and you have whatever it might be you need to pay for. So anyway, I turned quite a few things down. Um, and then I was meant to meet a club. I won't say which club for this one, but I was meant to meet a club on a Thursday morning. So I was meant to go and meet the manager. He was going to show me around, talk, talk money and hopefully get a deal sorted. But on the Wednesday evening, I spoke to Phil Brown. Um, and, <laughs> another uh, yeah. another man with a, a high reputation at Swindon Town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'll leave that. I'll leave that there. But I, I, I actually get on really well with him. He, you know, he's 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 actually he's actually you know from from me dealing with him, he's a good guy. He's always been really respectful with me, um, and I. I like like any other club, I'm sure that there's people that will disagree with me, but he's always been really respectful with me. So we had a phone call. Um, 
Ross Emerson called me, said that he'd been asked for a reference from uh, South End, it was at the time. So he said, look, can you come in Thursday? I said, yeah, all right, I'll come in. I'll come in um, and whatnot. And we ended up, it took, it took till Friday evening, but we basically had a phone call that said, yeah, we'll, we'll, get, some, we'll, we'll get a deal sorted on Monday plan to come in Monday um, and we'll get going. I, I need someone like you in the squad, basically. Um, so brilliant. Friday evening, um, I was buzzing. Saturday, went out for some, we're going out for some dinner, me and my, my girlfriend, just to kind of go, finally, that, that nightmare's over. Um, they lost on Saturday. He got sacked after the game. My contract completely off the table. So I'm, I'm nothing. It's just outrageous. It's just one of those one of those seasons where you just can't get any luck. And again, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's like people will see it and go, he's still not got a club, must be a problem, must be this, must be that. No, just football can, football can work like that. And there's nothing you can do. There's players that I've seen drop that like, you know, should never, ever drop and should be playing at a a really high standard and they just don't get the luck or they don't get the chance. Yeah. No, you, you see it all the time at every level, things like that. And and that's where, you know, some fan bases, they get excited because, you know, this player that should not be playing at their mm-hmm. club because, you know, he, he's too big. Um, yeah. uh, but then you, you've also got the questions of, well, why has he ended up down there? Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is all really, really fascinating stuff. And I'm really enjoying listening. Um, but I just want to take a sidestep for a moment, if I can, Jamie, because you mentioned yeah. coaching. And I know mm-hmm. Rich... Um, does does coaching as well, and, and he had a couple of things he wanted to ask you about that side of things. If that's all right, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, so obviously, like uh, in the last uh, day, well, in the last year or so, uh, obviously, had I don't know what years age groups that you have uh, at the coaching company. I'm assuming it's from quite young, from like under sixes up to like under fourteens, under fifteens. Is that right? Yeah, we probably yeah the the youngest ones we do probably about under sevens. Yeah, uh, we got to under 14s at the minute. Okay, yeah. So obviously, um, yesterday it came out about uh, obviously heading for under 12s. Mm-hmm. I uh, so from obviously you're obviously a defender, um, and obviously an integral part of your game was heading and yeah. one of your main abilities. Um, obviously when you were coming up in the ranks, I mean, how crucial was that coaching for heading? And do you think that? Uh, heading should be taken out of the game from under 12s, uh, obviously given like the medical reasons or um, do you not think that it's much of a problem? Personally, for me, I I just, I don't agree with it. I don't think it should really be taken out of the game, but I just want your perspective on it. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, like, I've, I don't, I think it's the way the game's going and I think it's the way the world's going at the minute. Um Obviously, if you've got an under twelve that's heading it a hundred times every single training mm. session, probably not great. No, but you, if you, if he wants to go and have a career at any able to head a ball. of football, then he's going to have to do it. If he doesn't and he's playing it for fun, no problem. You know, mm. going into football like because it's an enjoyable thing to do and people love it. But what that's going to do is when they get older and they get to under 18s or, or whenever, whatever age group they're allowed to head it properly, um, they're not going to be able to. Yeah. They're not gonna be able the, to. For me, the interesting counter side to the argument is obviously it, it's based on 
you know, generations of data. But I mean, we were having a chat in our in our pod WhatsApp group. The, the difference between, you know, the, the, the people who have been tested for this and, and proven as the case study, um, just just the footballs, never mind anything else, that the footballs being used today are completely different, aren't they? Yeah. I think it's um yeah, like I said, I think it's the way that we're going. Every, everything's so sensitive. You can't say this, you can't do that. And I'm sure there is scientific evidence. I'm sure there is. And I'm sure that there's, there's you know, something to back it up, of course. But if you if you look into detail about that many things and you just, you won't get out of bed in the morning, you just, you, you won't, you won't do anything. So um, I understand it. But from my personal point of view, you know, you, you can limit the heading, but you, you don't have to ban it. Mm. No. Um, and I, I, I think um, football itself is obviously a very dangerous game. I mean, you could break your arm, break your legs by doing uh, slide tackles or anything like that. Uh, obviously, you had a uh, quite a serious injury, obviously, while you were obviously a Swindon. And just like small things like that could obviously completely affect your career and everything like that. And I think, um, obviously, if you do have a long career as a defender, and most defenders do have long careers, I, I kind of I understand it. But if you took heading out of the game, and like you say, it's just the way that football is going in these days, um, it completely changed the game itself. I mean, you see more defenders these days, obviously, um, with the obviously ball at the feet, like sort of thing. But heading is still a massive part of the game. And I just think, obviously, when you take heading completely out of the game, I mean, from your, uh, just from your perspective, how, how would that, how do you reckon that would affect your game? I mean, I, I like to play. I like to play the way that we played at Swindon with Blue. I love to play total football. That's my favourite way of playing. Not many, not many teams do it. Um, but yeah, if you take it out from teams I've played for, like all that, all I do is head it and kick it for some teams that I've played for, um, and that's their style, and that's fine. That's, that's how they want to play. Um, you know, look if you look at John Stones for example, like unbelievable on the ball but he's unbelievable yeah he heads it a lot mm. wins a lot of headers and he has to head it a lot and that's the Premier League and that's one of one of the best ball playing centre-backs in the Premier League I think um, so it's a big part of the game and I understand that you have to look out for the kids I, I get that and I respect that but I think there's probably better ways than, than banning heading um, yeah. because that that you have a generation then of players that are coming through that can't head it and probably aren't geared up to play men's football because yeah, because they're, um, they're not tough toughed up from it. Yeah, because I remember when uh, Richie Wellens was at uh, Swindon, we signed a, a young lad called Akin Odomeo. and uh, I remember in one of his interviews he says uh, the way that obviously he's come through, he can't head the ball for anything because he wasn't taught it. Yes, yeah. he's a young lad, and we need players. Although Richie Wellens was very much a, a ball player, um, he liked to centre half to play um, with the ball at, his, at their feet. It's such an integral part of the game. So, well, um, even if you if you look at it from a fan's perspective, you know it's it's great when you've got a, a defender who can play with the ball. Like, you know, it's great yeah. to watch them do it. But there's nothing worse than when you see what what fans perceive as a simple cross into the box and nobody can head it. Yeah, it, it, yeah. You know. I, I understand. And like I said, if you if you if you were to take it out or you were to ban it 
for certain age groups. I think that that would be the case more often than not, is that they wouldn't know how to head it. They wouldn't know how to deal with, I'm trying to think of a big striker now, like when Tom Pope or someone like that, like he's just going to walk all over you. He, he, mm. He'd walk all over someone who's brilliant in the air. Yeah. So imagine not being able to head it and not knowing how, not being very good and playing against him. It's just impossible. Um, another another um, sort of transfer-related question, um, if I can. So Swindon have today signed a new centre-half, mm-hmm. um, which has got a lot of the fans quite excited because it, it's the sort of player that we've been waiting to come through this window. When you're a, an established player at a club, and they bring someone in with this reputation that, you know, the fans are already saying he's going straight in the first level. How does that, how does that, you know, I imagine that the obvious answer is, well, it motivates you to keep going and prove that you deserve to keep your place. But is that always the case? Or are you instant thinking, why are they looking to replace me when I think I'm doing all right? Um, it can, it can, it can um, it's a good question. It can change really. I mean, if they, if, it's Angus McDonald, right? That's coming yeah. today. Um, if I was, if I was a centre back there now, and they brought him in, I'd go. Fair enough. Like, <laughs> obviously, I want to play, and obviously, like, I'm going to try and get in the team, and like, but he's he's a brilliant career, brilliant player, um, probably on good. Money. So the club are going to want to play him. Um, sometimes you kind of have to hold your hands up and go, do you know what? He's brilliant. Like, and, and I hope I can play and I'll, I'll do everything possible to play. But if he's playing in front of me and he's playing well, like, there's, I can go and speak to the manager, but I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite realistic with it. You know, and, and again, if the manager spoke to me and said, look, Angus McDonald's playing in front of you, I'd have to go, yeah, well, fair enough. Just hope I get in the team at some point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Whereas if they brought someone in that was like brilliant and he's but he's, he's not, he's crap, then yeah, I'm I'm raging off it. Um and I'd want to speak to the manager about it, of course. Yeah. Um I guess it's it, going back to knowing what you're worth as, as is well, it. Is, isn't it, Jamie? Oh, I think that the problem with the problem with football is that you get into a state of like self-defense the whole time and you, you you build up this ego because of how you a lot of the time you get treated and you 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 build up like an ego and a self-defense that no I'm the best ever like no I'm better than him I'm better than him I need to play while I'm not playing but I try to sort of realize that if he's better than me what what can I do I, you know if he's better than me he's gonna play ahead of me simple as that um and you can be upset and you can be annoyed about it, of course. You, you get all those feelings, but, you know, you just have to accept sometimes that someone's better than you. Um, and, and that's my view on it. But I think what feeds it, what feeds that is that Luke was brilliant at it. He would come and tell you, honestly, if you weren't playing, he'd tell you why. He'd tell, you know, he'd tell you long before you could even work yourself up in your head thinking if you are playing or not. He'd, he'd nip it in the bud. Um, and that's what he was brilliant at with all players. Whereas what can build the tension, I think, is when a manager won't speak to you all week, won't speak to you, won't speak to you Saturday, won't speak, to you, and then you're you're on the bench or you're out of the squad. 
that's where you have the issues because all that all that you'd want is just a bit of honesty. Um, and I'd never ever have an issue with a manager if he just said, "I think he's better than you." No problem. You know, I, I respect that more than the lies. And I think most players are like that. Most players are like that. If you just were honest. Um, so yeah, going back to the question, you know, if if he was good, I wouldn't have a problem. If he was wasn't good, I'd have a problem with it. <laughs> I think, it, I think it's, you know, it's, it's interesting what you say about Luke Williams and you, you've mentioned him um, se- several times. And I, I think near enough, every player who's played for him hasn't had a bad word to say about him. They've, they've praised him like, like you have, which speaks volumes for him, especially as, as, a, as a coach and everything. But um, I was wondering if, if I could ask you this um, question, Jamie, and feel free to say no if you don't want to. Um, obviously, this was in the middle of your injury, um, your, 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 the bad injury that you had at Swindon. But do you feel that um, Luke Williams was undermined by um, Tim Sherwood? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I won't. Yeah, I, yeah. Do you know what? It's, it's happened. It is. It's done. Um, Can't change history now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hundred percent. And what what I what I think a lot of people haven't spoken about is that he came undermined him and then um going to plan just kind of slivered out and then left Luke to be the the full guy yeah I don't, I don't know if you if you saw him he was on goals on Sunday at the end of the season after we'd just been confirmed <laughs> relegated yeah. and he was totally distancing himself from from the job which I just felt rubbed salt in the wounds for for Swindon fans and also for Luke Williams because a, a lot of us did feel that he was undermined by Tim Sherwood and for him to have the audacity to go on goals on Sunday and play down his role supposedly the biggest signing in the club's history and he was just there helping out a mate it, it was it just beggared belief yeah. for me there's there's a lot of things about that situation that don't sit right with me and and the people that were there at the time would have seen it and like I said I could probably go for hours but let, let me save that for for when I finish playing your um, retirement no, no. special yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that retirement special. That's yeah, sure. I was going to say, looking forward to that already. <laughs> I demand for that one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, can I ask you a couple of questions about you know you, the player, and how it's changed over the course of of your career? Um, a lot is made, and, and and fans do get it to an extent, but obviously. Footballers are living the dream that thousands of us, for one reason or another, couldn't do. You know, you're you're living the dream that I couldn't do because one, I was fat and unfit, and two, I was technically rubbish at football. You know, that's the two main reasons I wasn't a professional footballer. I was no good and I was unfit. Um, that's quite simple. When it comes to the the individual tactics of something, how much does a player cares the wrong word? Um, you know. Let's take centre-backs, for example. There's a big call. Is it better to play a two or is it better to play a three? Do you have a preference as a player whether you play in a two or a three? Um, or are you just happy to play? I'm happy. To be honest, I'm, I'm happy in any one of those positions. I'm happy there. I'm happy holding midfield. I'm happy in a two. I'm happy in a three. Um, that that wouldn't bother me. If someone said you've got to play right back, then I'd be like, nah. Like that, I, I don't like that. I don't like right back. It's not for me. Um, some players have preference with it. I mean, if I had to pick one, it would probably be middle of the three in a back three. But it, is there a reason for that? 
just I think it's if you're if you're a ball playing team, you get loads of the ball, yeah. um, and you, also you don't usually end up having a big scrap with <laughs> big Tom Pope up front. As you, <laughs> so, uh, it's a little bit easier in that sense. But no, I, I, I some do, some have preference. I don't. I'm not too bothered as long as I'm playing in one of those. I'm happy. Okay. Um, with regards to pre-season generally, and I appreciate every club will do it slightly differently, of course, but, you know, we would have all heard the, heard the stories and stuff growing up for, from our dads or whatever. Pre-season, it's all about the hard yards. It's all about the running, the running, the running. And then, you know, as we've grown older and football's changed as a game, you, you see all the, the things coming out from clubs about pre-season and it's all about, you know, tactics and little passing drills and stuff like that and and it seems a lot less of the the intense over the top running up massive mountains for pre-season fitness what what is pre-season actually like is it kind of a I imagine you know it's a blend of the two yeah it is I mean I've had some I've had some probably more so when I was a lot younger where it was still a little bit old school um where it was just like horrendous horrendous like I'm not the best runner at all like I never have been never will be like I'm I'm usually towing towards the back somewhere um and for the fit boys and the good runners like it's 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 probably tough but it's it's all right for them because they can run I I can't run there's a you know compared to the average person of course I'm probably very very fit I was gonna say you'll definitely beat me in a race (laughs) (laughs) well yeah Uh, (laughs) but it's like in terms of football I'm I'm towards the back end in terms of running Okay. Uh, I, I hate running. Like, it, it, I hate it. I actually get nervous the first day and I'm like, please just don't be too much running. If it's ball work, if it's bo- running with a ball, I'm fine. If, there, if there's like tough, hard keep balls or matches or whatever it is, I'm fine. I'd rather that. It's, it's tough. But the second you get me to go and do a run, like, I'm awful. I hate it. I get nervous. I build myself up for it and I... It's disgusting. But yeah, there's more so now there's there's a mix. So you'll have your running and then you'll have a lot of ball work and a lot of um, tactics and stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a big believer in the running, probably because I'm not very good at it. Um, I understand you need to build like your core fitness up and more your it helps you to get in shape in you know, ready for a, a season. You don't want to be carrying too much weight or whatever it is. So it helps you to get into good shape. But, um, I'm a bit. I, I'm, you know, if I was a manager, I'd be doing way more football than I would be doing running, and it, it can still be hard. It can still be very hard. Like I see, I see a team earlier. I, I don't know when they, they went to like an army boot camp. I don't understand. I don't understand it. When are you ever going to do that in a football match? That's all, that's all stemmed from if you think back to when we were all younger and like Dream Team and that was on, and they, they used to send them off to army boot camps and stuff just to get I, fit. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Like, and if they say team bonding, well, do training, then tell the boys to go out and have a beer. That's that's yeah. better team bonding than lugging tyres around and crawling in like swamp. Like, I just don't understand it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was uh, Danny Wilson's philosophy, wasn't it? I remember, I think it was uh, Cy Ferry said that um, he just wanted people to go down um, and have a drink at the bar. But mm. in terms of the actual running, it, that sounds like a lot from the Paolo Di Canio days. Literally, they just... Just running. Oh, just running. You know, literally just running. Uh, I think it's an Italian thing. Because yeah. 
I had, uh, do you remember Gabriel Choffi, the Italian guy? Oh, yeah. And he was like, he, he was actually really got on with me. I thought he was really good. I think, I think he, what, what made it hard for him in England was that he'd played his whole career in Italy. Mm. And, yeah. yeah. And it's a different Italian culture in it as well as anything else. Football. The Italian mentality of football is like, the op- it's the opposite of England. Like England, generally, if you look at English football, it's like drinking culture, you know, two days off a week. In Italy, it's like, no, we train. We train like seven days a week. We don't have any time off. Like, So that's what I think, why he might struggle. But he's doing really well in Italy now. I think he's managing someone in Syria, like doing really well. Um, and that doesn't surprise me because I could see that he he could be a brilliant manager. Um, but he's running. Oh, my. Like, jeez. <laughs> I've never, he's, he, he's my number one um, for the hardest running draw I've ever done. <laughs> hardest. Like, just in terms of sheer intensity? It was in, like, I just, I thought this is mental. Like, it's a mental battle. And I was thinking, I, I'm losing this. I'm going to have to stop in a minute. This is that hard. And we did it every Tuesday. Oh, um, And it gets, <laughs> it's, the, the two times I've been, the absolute fittest was Luke Williams pre-season at Swindon um, and the Crawley Town season. The, the fittest I've ever been. Like, and it gets you, it gets you in amazing shape. And you do the running, but you do loads of football, and you do, and it, it was brilliant. Um, but yeah, that, that it must be an Italian thing with Paolo De Canio as well. They just have that mindset of, you know, just complete graft all the time. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, Particularly as you've gotten a little bit, I say older, let's face it, you're hardly old now, are you? Um, but obviously there's a, a lot's made about the, the influence of social media and things like that. And, and I noticed even, I think you've, you've put one out not so, so uh, long ago, players putting out sort of YouTube compilations of themselves, sort of showing what they can do as, as sort of become a thing over the last five to ten years, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would... I wouldn't, I don't know, I might do it. I, I, I'm also do it because I've got an okay following on, on Twitter. Um, I know a lot of managers and coaches and people follow me. So that's the reason behind my one. It's not like, oh, look at me, look at what I did. Like that, you know, that's not the reason at all. I do it because I hope that it can maybe reach someone that um, would have interest in, in giving me a contract. Um, you know, I don't have an agent. I, I've, I learned the hard way with agents, especially when I was younger. So I just okay. kind of, I, don't, I, don't, I try not to deal with them as much because, I, again, I don't trust them. And I'm sure that, I mean, they, they probably don't have a very good reputation with fans. And, no. um, it, and, and, and on the whole, rightly so, there are some good ones. Of course there are. There's some, there's some good agents and there's some honest people there. But on the whole, like through my experience, like most of them are just, want to line their pockets and they'll they'll lie to you and they'll do it and so I kind of do it myself so that's why if you were to look through my social medias a lot of it in the last 12 months or so because of the year I've had and how badly it's gone wrong I've kind of tried to put it out there to 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 promote myself in that sense yeah um some people do it because they want to go look at me look how many goals I scored um or whatever which is fine like no problem. They, you know, if they've had a good season, like hundred percent, enjoy it because they don't happen every every year. Um, but yeah, my reason is just so that hopefully someone can see it and um, realize that I'm out of contract. 
Um, I, I'd imagine that's that's probably more common than than you think, Jamie. Because especially at sort of like the lower levels now, where people, teams, and coaches don't have those big scouting networks, and with the mo- this modern day technology, isn't it? It's the equivalent yeah. to ringing up a manager on the phone and asking how 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 they are. So I, I think that's that's probably more common than than what people expect in, in sort of like yeah. leagues one and two and into you know into the national league and and, and so so on so well, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't that long ago that that people used to joke about you know using things like football manager as a resource but now you're hearing stories that people actually use football manager as a resource in professional football that's a mad one i, I can't if they do that's mental because there's so many there's so many ways you can find details on a player except they got it but Football manager just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it's it's bizarre. It really is bizarre. Um, I appreciate this next one. You probably can't go into much, if any, detail, but it would be wrong of me not to ask anyway. Um, you know, we're very close to to a new season starting. Does it look like you're you're going to be you know with a club for for the start of the season? I don't know. I don't know. Um, We've got close, I say we, I've got close with a few. Um, and at one stage it was looking like yes, but then it, the usual nonsense happened and it kind of fell again. So I'm not really sure. Um, I've had I've had some offers, but like I said before, I'm not... You're not just going to settle? I'm not, yeah, I'm not just going to settle. Um, but also I'm 28. And I want to have, I want to try and play at a decent enough standard. You know, I, I, I really, really don't want to have to drop below the National League. Um, I understand that now it's it's quite tough because unless you're, I just call it the chosen, unless you're the chosen one and you get a good contract put on the table early on, um, people will, will take liberties because you're out of contract and they look at my last 12 months and they don't know the details yeah, and they can go well. Whatever reason, no, we're not not going to give you this. We'll give you this, or whatever it might be. Um, I've had I've had financial offers that are very very good, but they're at levels that I don't want to go to. So it's not just I'm not just doing it financially, which again a lot of people probably think. And when you post these things on social media, you open the door to people to have these opinions, which is fine. You can say what you want to me; it doesn't bother me. Um, but I've had. I've had um, I've had um, offers, financial, very good financial offers from from lower leagues, which I don't want to go to right now. So um, I'm just kind of holding out, waiting for the right one, and hopefully there's one that comes up that can get my career going again, and and um, hopefully keep on a little bit. Well, obviously we we wish you the very best of luck in in that particular search, and and look forward to seeing your name appearing on a team sheet very soon. Um, a, a quick one on standard. You, you use the word standard there, and, and it's an interesting one. Um, there's kind of this, it, it's part jovial, part um, elitist view on, on English football over, over Scottish football, etc. Um, <sighs> do you think that the standards are, are that different? Like, I appreciate the very top end of, of the Premier League and stuff, but, you know, you know you, there, there's always that could Rangers and Celtic do in the Premier League. I'm not necessarily interested in that, but g- generally speaking... You know, is is it is it that much different playing in you know a, a division in Scotland and its counterpart in England? 
the top league is is very good, I think. Um, would would Rangers and Celtic be Premier League? Probably not. But if they were in the Premier League, they'd have they'd have a bigger budget, and they they would certainly be because they're they're massive, massive clubs. Massive. Like it's in terms of the size of the club, they're Premier League. Yeah. Uh, you've got like then probably the next tier down, which is like Hearts, Aberdeen, Hibs. Um, and again, they're good clubs. I, I would say they're like League One clubs. Okay. But when you play there, like when you play at Hearts, like I played at Hearts and it's it's brilliant. Like the, the atmosphere, just the ground, um, you know. So it's, it's a really good experience playing up there. But then you've got some clubs probably that float between the, the Scottish Championship and the Premiership, which again, they're probably... They're probably like National League, like average National League clubs, in my opinion. It's hard It's hard to judge it, but the SPL is a really good league. It's a really good league. And like you, you're, you'll be on TV a lot. You'll be playing Rangers Celtic, Hearts Hibs, Aberdeen. Um, you'll be playing at these grounds and, it, and it's proper football. So, no, it's good. It's, it's good up there. You mentioned the uh, National League um, a couple of minutes ago, Jamie. Obviously, that's the standard. Ideally, that's where you want to be sort of looking at for your next club, etc. Um, is it because of the competitiveness over the last couple of years uh, that the National... Because I, I know for myself, the last uh, season or so, uh, I've actually watched the National League quite a bit because there's so many teams in there uh, these days that are just... Uh, it's so competitive, and you don't know who's going to get uh, get the playoffs. Um, it's like it is like League Two, really. It keeps going up and down, changing a lot. Um, is that uh, another reason why it's actually ideal for you, or um, you know something that you really want, really want to get to? Um, yeah, I mean, National League now is is pretty much like an extended League Two. Really, you've got the bottom sort of five, four, five, six teams, which like. A non-league clubs, but the rest are the rest are big clubs and proper clubs. Um, well, they're not all owned by Hollywood megastars, <laughs> are they? Yeah, crazy, man. crazy. Um, uh, so that that's where I want to. I mean, look, I might sound completely deluded by this, but I'm I've always been confident that I can still play League One football. Never going to happen. I'm realistic with it. I know that, but I'm you know ability wise, I'm. I'm more than confident that I can do it. Um, you just, it's the way the game goes. Sometimes people fall, sometimes people are in League One when they really shouldn't be in League One. It's part and parcel of football and you have to accept that. But National League for me, there's big clubs. Um, it's proper football, um, sometimes horrendous looking football, but it's proper football. The, the grounds are nice, the, the, you know, you get good fans there. and um, So that's why I say that National League is kind of, where I want to be. Um, again, who knows, I might be playing for my pub next week or I might be playing for some team in the National League. You just never know. And as much as I wish I had more control over it, I don't. And i just got to kind of have my fingers crossed that someone gives me the chance to, to do it. Um, and, and again, League Two, I, right now, I just can't see it happening um, because of the way things have gone for the last 12 months. But again, I'm, I know I could play it. Um, you know, even when I was at Crawley, that's another story, really, where we, yeah, another mad one where I didn't get released. I didn't get released. It was just a complete madness, really. 
Um, I mean, if you, I can go into it if you've got time. If you, if you, if you haven't got time, I've got, can... I've got plenty of time. Yeah, right. absolutely, mate. Um, yeah, so got to sort of January, January, no, February it was, and we started again. I had an option in my contract, which I'm starting oh, no. to really not want to put in. You just, they just basically have you where they want you with the option. Um, but we were we were negotiating a contract in February. Um, and they said, we're not going to the option, it's too much money. I said, no problem, renegotiate. Um, and they came at me with an offer that was disrespectful, I thought. Like, they'll look at it and go, no, but it's that it, I personally thought it was disrespectful. Yeah. Um, the problem that football has is you, I'm never one for asking or talking to other lads about money. And some boys are very open with it. I mean, if someone wants to tell me, they can tell me. But you, you end up knowing, you end up finding out one way or the other, whether whether you try to or not. People talk about it sometimes in football and, and it spreads. So I was playing every week from January onwards. And there were players that weren't who were on way more than what I was getting offered. Yeah. In my, not including not including my option. My option was fine. I said I'll sign that tomorrow. But it was what they were offering me after that was like, well, I know that that's not fair. I'm playing every week, and I've lost two games. I lost two games for Crawley. I think never lost at home. Um, so I said, look, it's 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 not. I'm not going to sign that. I need this, and you know, back and forward, they started getting really the man the manager at the time. He's no longer there now. And I'm sure you probably saw what what happened with that. I don't know any details. I won't comment on no. that. Um, I think a lot of it was a bit far-fetched. But I don't know. I don't know what happened. So I won't comment on that. Um, but he's, you know, he started to get funny with me. The, the, I don't know what his job was there. But he started getting funny with me. He's now left as well. COVID happened. Um, then so... The, the, the season stops, don't hear anything, or the usual excuses, COVID this, COVID that, we can't, we can't do this, we can't do that. And then I got a phone call saying, look, this is all we're going to offer you. Um, I said, look, I need a little bit more, blah, blah, blah. And, and I was being quite respectful of the COVID situation. Um, but again, they weren't budging. They took out all my bonuses, took my salary down. So at this point, I'm thinking, well, it, you know, I, I know my value. I'm not, I'm not going to sign it. Yeah. Um, and then I had a long conversation with my dad and he said, look, just sign it. Like, just sign the contract. Do it for a year. Um, anyway, long story short, the I agreed to it. And then I think this might have been the one that you touched on earlier. Um, I agreed to it. And then it did it just kind of got very, very messy after that. And, and uh, we had, we exchanged some words and then that was it. I left and went to Aldershot. Which is just like, it, you know, yes, I probably, in hindsight, would I have signed it straight away? No, probably not. I don't have regrets about it, but you just have to kind of, you have to, you have to value yourself and back yeah. yourself because otherwise these people, they will just, they will just, um, They'll just have your pants down. They, they genuinely don't care. Um, let's let's spend a little bit of time then, because um, I'm conscious of of taking up your entire evening as much as I, you know, could genuinely listen to all of these stories all night. 
Um, let's let's just spend a little bit of time talking about your your time at Swindon. Um, yeah. And um, we won't go through all the usual formality questions that people ask, but if I can ask to begin with, you know, what was your initial thoughts when you heard that Swindon would put in an offer and, and how all that came about? And, and how did your opinion of Swindon change between then and obviously the, the time when you left? Uh, I, Swindon goes quite far back with me. Um, I always loved Swindon. Like, when I say always, I'm talking like when I was a QPR and I was looking to get loan, I was like, I want to go to Swindon. Um, which was like quite bold for probably, what was I, 18, 19 at the time. It's quite a bold thing to go, I want to go to this club. But I just loved the style of play that they, that they had. Um, it suited me. It was in terms of location, you know, sorry to swim, Aaron 15, Aaron 20 is perfect, really. Um, so I was I was always trying to push it. And then there'd be a little bit of interest and then um, they'd sign someone unreal. I think, who did they sign? I can't remember. It was Jack Stevens, probably, and Jordan. Oh, Turner. Southampton. Yeah. Again, where, I have to, where I'm realistic, I go, well, they're brilliant players. Like, I can't really... You're complain. like, yeah, fair enough. Um, but then there was... I think I was 19. I'd been to Colchester on loan. I'd come back and um, I, I was trying to push Swindon again. I was just obsessed with it. Um, and I went down to play in a game against like Oxford or something. It was like a reserve game for, for Swindon so they could have a look and see if they were interested at all. I played that game, but then literally within about a day or two, Mansfield came up. So I was like, I can't, I can't say no because yeah. if I no to Mansfield then and Swindon doesn't happen, I'm stuck. So I went to Mansfield. Um, when I left QPR at 21, Luke, I spoke to Luke and he said, come in and train for a bit. He wasn't the manager at the time. Um, and it didn't materialise, ended up signing for Hamilton. When I knew I was coming back from Hamilton in the January, um, I spoke to Luke again and he was like, look, come in, like, you know, we'll, we'll see if we can sort something. And it's probably the most happy I've been when there's been a contract signed with Swindon. Like I was, I can't tell you how buzzing I was because it's just, it was so good, the training, the style of play. Um, it's a big club, stadium's nice, pitch is unreal. Um, you know, the fans are good. So I was just, yeah, I was, I was so, I was so buzzing to be there. It was brilliant. I was just going to ask for a question, uh, Jamie. Um, obviously, you mentioned uh, Luke Williams uh, there again. Um, had you had a, a, a relationship with uh, Luke Williams prior to Swindon? Or have you known him for quite a long time? Or uh, was it? No, it's more, more just through football. I think he liked the style of play that I played with. And um, when he was at Brighton as under-21s, I would have played against Brighton from like, under 16s all the way through to under 21. So I'd have played against him loads and he, I think he liked my style of play. Um, and Brighton were, Brighton were similar. They like they just played total football as well, their, their um, youth team. So I think he knew me from that and thought that I'd be a good fit. But obviously it just took for him to get in charge um, as manager before um, he could really, really push it. Um, and he did and it's been... You know, like I said, 100% the favorite, my favourite club I've ever played for, 100%. Um, and a lot I thought I'd, you know, 
hopefully kick on from it, but obviously it wasn't to be. Uh, following on from that, I, I find that interesting because my next question was actually going to be, you see a lot, again, in this day and age, particularly where people have access to social media, whenever any player leaves a club, they're always like, um, thank the fans, the club will always have a, a, a place in my heart kind of thing. But hearing you talk, you can actually hear it. And I know, you know, I, I saw that you'd been tweeting after the, the Port Vale game in the playoffs in the season just gone <laughs> and stuff. So is it fair to say you do still keep an eye out on what's going on at Swindon? Yeah, 100%. 100 percent they're one of the first they're one of the first teams that I, I look at when I get in from the game on a Saturday I look at my phone and see how Swindon got on um you know that that uh, I you know I always always wish well on the club even though that the way it ended for me like I always want them to do well and and I'm glad to see now that there's been a takeover done and it looks like fingers crossed it's on the up um but yeah I always look out for them and I think what helps as well is that to be fair, there's there's other clubs that are, you know, in terms of the fans that have been really good to me and stuff like that. But Swindon are always the first ones, always. And I think, like, I, I do see it sometimes. It pisses some people off every time it's like there's a, it, the, the transfer window opens, someone mentions my name and then everyone just goes, oh, I'm talking about him again. Like, I get it, eh? <laughs> that's, that's, not, um, that's not specific to you, Jamie. Almost every single ex-Swindon player gets uh, <laughs> in, in, a, in a window. So, yeah, don't worry about that, mate. I mean, let's be honest. Um, everyone, all we're, all we're seeing now, despite the fact we've signed quite a few players now this window, all anyone's talking about is a striker. I'll give it about 10 more minutes before Nicky Jose's name gets mentioned again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't. I, I didn't know that. I, mean, I just see it on my time when people tag me in it and I'm thinking, oh, they're... I pissed someone off again, but I haven't, you know. Um... <laughs> I, no, I'd see, if I was you, I'd play on it. I'd say, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you, see, you always see fans mess about saying, oh, I've just seen X, Y, Z at this place, um, at the Burger King near Magic Rambo, however. <laughs> yeah. I, I would just start finding some old pictures you'd take and start posting pictures of yourself in Swindon just to start winding people up. You, you know what I was going to do one time where... I, I mean, this is how I was probably really, really bored and sat on my sofa, but I, but I was doing little things or be like little hints that I, I'm sat on my sofa. I'm nowhere near Swindon, but I was going to post like uh, like um, a picture of the M4 and then I was going to post like a Robin, yeah. a picture of Robin or something like that. Um, but I just thought, you know what, well, I can't, I'm not going to do that. It's certainly, that would, it certainly would have riled a few up, that's for sure. Oh, that, there'd have been meltdowns, there would have been. Oh, <laughs> that would have brilliant. It'd be so much, though, so really. I was going to say. We've spoken a lot on our podcast over the course of the last, what, two, two and a half seasons since we've been doing it, about how football's changed. And obviously we focus primarily on, on Swindon and something that keeps cropping up, particularly when a team isn't doing so well, um, is, is this sort of ideal about characters within football. Um, now, I know what a character is will have changed over time, but, uh, you know, when you were in the Swin squad, who, who were the real sort of big characters, whether that was, you know, the Joker or, or the one that was, like, deadly serious, that kind of thing? Yeah, we're dangerous. We're all kind of similar, right? Like, I'd say that, the loudest by a country mile was um, Viggs by by a country mile. That like, surprised like, me at all. Every day, brilliant with him. You could you could hear him coming before you see him. Like you'd hear him <laughs> a mile off. Um, he was always like in and around the band. So then you had like uh, Nath Thompson, who's just like incredible human being. Um, 
monster on the pitch, but like one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He, he funny guy as well. Like I got on really well with him. Um, Lou Thompson, same again, just like an incredible human. Geordie Turnbull, like the, the whole the whole changing room was was so good, and we got on so well because we were like a similar age and like like any changing room. There were some players that just kind of were a little bit bad eggs, but I'm sure they had their own motivations of what they would what they wanted from football and what they wanted from life. So I never I try not to judge too much in that sense. Um, yeah. But like the, the majority were just like so good. It was so good. Similar age, always like going for coffees and stuff after training and that. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. But you're right. That in terms of characters, like they're, they're getting they're getting drowned out the game a little bit because I don't really I don't really know why I think that managers now don't like characters because they'll they, question their authority them yeah they might be a threat and they might question their authority when really I think that you should be able to go and say question a manager on whatever it is as long as you do it in a respectful way I, I think you're allowed, you you should be allowed to do that and you should be able to voice your opinion but they don't want that they want I say they a, a lot of them now don't don't like that they want to have mm. no problem and if someone answers them back or questions them then they're gone um you think that's being coached out that like characters are being coached out of being characters yeah. at like academy level, youth level, yeah. Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. Like we were I think my year group and probably I'd say mine was probably one of the last to um actually have an opinion. Have an opinion and coach that and learn your you know where you stand in football. Like my, I think it wasn't long after I finished my youth team that you didn't have to do jobs and um, you didn't have to do all that sort of stuff. And like, I think that, that, that gives you a good grounding with it. And, you know, when, when you look down, like, cause we, we would sometimes get absolutely battered by the first team, not punch, but like just verbally. <laughs> just um, and like that, that, that gives you that, you know, when you get to that level, and I understand that some, when I, when I, again, when I listen to Under the Cosh, like I hear something and I think, no, that's, that's way, way too far. But I think by, ha by being grilled all the time by the first team players and whether you, you, uh, you learn the banter and you learn the ropes and that builds your character a bit. Whereas now it's none of that. You don't have it. And they're just like robots. They're just like robots. Go to training, go to the gym, eat salad all day, eat this, eat that. Like, that's not, that's not like, you know, you need to go out for a beer. Yeah. I, I, I say you need to go out for a beer. Like, I'm not saying everyone needs to drink because people have their own. But like going out for a night out or whatever it is, like that's, you need to do that. You need, you need to, to do let that. loose, like, cut loose a little bit. Being coached out, like, um, you know, it, when I finished my youth team, the, the manager, the academy manager took all of the second years who were obviously 18 years old, took us all for a bit. Like that wouldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't see that happening now. I couldn't see it. I literally couldn't see that happening. Um, and yeah, I, I think I've been coached out. I think they've been <laughs> be the perfect athlete and that's not possible. You, you, you'll drive yourself crazy if that's what you're trying to do. <laughs> it, it, it just, it's impossible. It, I was going to say, it's, it takes the fun out of the, it game at the end of the day I, I get football supposed to be a fun game it's supposed to be a fun career and everything like that but like you say if you can't have your own independent fun or your own 
fun with your peers like sort of thing like that I mean I go out with my work teammates um every now and then like sort of thing like that yeah. and I'm sure the others as well do as well like if you can't do that or if there's some kind of discipline so again I suppose you get managers these days that are like right you've got to stick to a completely strict mm. regime I don't want you going out this then and where wherever I mean I do obviously I assume that um that's you wouldn't be for that at all would you no I no I think that I think the problem is if you say to players of my my age and probably older if you say you're not allowed out that's like out that's just dismissed really like not all the time like you'd never go out on a Friday but I would I'd never go out I'd never go out like uh where it might affect my performance like I, I I personally wouldn't go out before training I wouldn't go out before games like I would, I'm not saying that um, but you've got to have a, you've got to have one, a, a night out to switch off like the, these players I see, I see sometimes on like social media and stuff like that where they're these young players and like they're, they're playing like part-time football and they've come through an academy and they're playing part-time football and they're like play a game off to the gym for recovery back home eating like a perfect meal like it, it sucks the fun out you're just going to stress yourself out and you'll it will me mentally it's not it's not healthy to be like that I don't think I think you need to enjoy it and there's times where you can go and have a night out or go and have a burger and chips like it's not the end of the world well, you can I do mean, it. it's true because at the end of the day yes you know for someone like yourself it's a job and much like us in, in our jobs you have to take your job seriously but the reason it's, you know, so many boys and girls grow up wanting to be pro footballers is because it's it's a job playing a game kind of thing, isn't it? You, you know, you're you're not how do you say this without without making it more without your job is hobby. Yeah. Growing up football is your hobby and you're going as a job. Um and and I wish that it was like that. Like yeah. the, the second you get into it, it opens your eyes massively to go. The business up, side up. of it ruins the fun element. Because if you if you take like let's say the county, if you have the county ground, you have two teams and you have all the fans, and you have a game of football, like it's the it's the best thing ever, ever. But what like what I've seen is like you've got you. The reality of it is you've got all that. You've got the stadium. You've got the fans. Blah blah. But then every single one of those players there'll be a situation that's happened with him. Maybe he's tried to leave and the club's blocked it or they're not giving him a new contract because of whatever or the manager's done this or they're not spit. So that's where you realise, like, football gets gets so distorted with it. Like, I wish, and I bet every single player would agree, like, I wish it was just the football and you could just, like, enjoy it and there was no bullshit behind it and there was never issues with contracts and never issues with people that are lying to you and all stuff like this. Um, Absolutely. But unfortunately... Um, that's the case. Do you still speak to anyone who you played with when you were at Swindon? Um, like, if I saw any of them, I'd be absolutely buzzing to like have a sit down with and a chat. Johnny Goddard, I speak with quite regularly. Um, he he moved in with me when he signed there, so we we lived together uh, when he signed there. Sorry. Um, like, I would yeah, I'd I'd be buzzing. I went to Nathan and I went to Lou's wedding. I went on Nathan Stag's do. This was a few years ago now. Um, like Luke, I still speak to. Ross, I still speak to regularly. Um, yeah, like I, I, I'd be buzzing to speak to any of them. Like we, we had a really good group there. 
Nice. I think it's um, only Ellis. Sorry? It's only Ellis. He's the only one flying the flag at the minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and still much loved he is. Yeah. Good guy. Uh, at the club, that's for sure. We've got a son for him now as well. <laughs> so only, he's only, only talking about only, 15 only took, years. Only took, us, only took us 10 years. <laughs> We're not the most original fan base. It takes us a while to warm to someone. <laughs> it was his, It was actually his little brother that came up with the song as well, actually. <laughs> he was just desperate, desperate to get a singing <laughs> yeah, song. And then the minute all the Swindon fans start singing it, he got sent off. Oh. <laughs> Standard. Um... Listen, uh, Jamie, thank you very much for your time this evening. I really do appreciate it. Um, unless Rich or Craig have anything additional they want to fire through as a, as a final question, I'm, I'm happy to, to thank you for your time. Um, look forward to posting this out and, uh, and getting the reaction from it. But honestly, the, the, the stories you've given us and, and how in-depth you've gone with quite a lot of them has, has been really, really good to hear. So thank you very much. No problem at all. I've enjoyed it. enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. Anything final from yourselves, Rich or Craig? No, just to, just basically saying the same as what you just said there. Yeah, thanks, Jamie, for coming on. It was it was fascinating. Really good insight into um, into the world of football. No problem at all. Glad you enjoyed. Same, Jamie. Thank and you very and don't much. forget when that uh, when retirement does happen. Yeah, coming back on for the, for the retirement episode. Yeah. Oh, what you're gonna? Yeah, I'll probably get. You'll have to join the queue because I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna. <laughs> uh, well, when, when the book comes out, make sure that there's a uh, yeah. there's a book signing tour in Swindon. We'll all be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, thank you very much for your time, uh, Craig Rich. Thank you very much for yours. And, and little side note aside from this, just remember, as announced in our episode that published this morning, um, Fools Rushin's new branding goes live from next Friday night uh, on a, our first ever live show. So we look forward to you joining us then. But for myself, Craig, Rich and Jamie, thank you very much for watching and listening. Goodbye.